0: I told you last week I'd begin a series today. uh, And the series I've titled is Regaining Purpose. Regaining Purpose. And the sermon today is from the first chapter of Philippians as I go through the book of Philippians for the next few weeks. And I'm looking today at praying with purpose. That's the reason I said that song went so well with the sermon title today. Now, my theme actually comes from the Old Testament from Jeremiah 29 and verse number 11. Now, this is out of the New Living Translation. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They're plans for good and not a disaster to give you a future and a hope. He says, You know the plans I have for you. Now, another... Word you can put in there for plans is purpose. You know the purpose I have for you, saith the Lord. So that's what we're looking at. Now here's a quote. It said, someone once said that the two greatest days in a person's life are the day he was born and the day he finds out why. It's sad to near the end. be the end of your life and not know why what your purpose for God was. Many so-called Christians seem to just want to get on the bus at salvation and ride it to heaven without ever getting off, without ever doing anything to make the journey worthwhile for the Lord. Well, that's what we're here for. We're here to not only be saved and on our way to heaven, but we're here to serve the Lord. We're here to find out what our purpose is and how we are going to fulfill that purpose. Now, during this past year of 2020, many of us Christians, Christians uh, tend to have lost our purpose. A lot of churches seem to have lost their purpose. In a lot of ways, we lost our purpose here at Portland General Baptist. Now, uh, what a purpose is, is what we do and the reason we do what we do. That's the purpose, okay? And I thank God. We had a budget committee the other day, and and, uh, they graciously are going to present a budget to spend more money on on external missions. I think it's wonderful. You know, we do so much internal stuff when we want to serve ourselves. we tend to forget that there's other people out there that needs to be served as well. So uh, I thank God that that's going to be presented that way. But for the most part now, Satan's have robbed the church and the individuals a lot of the purpose that they have for living. So our world kind of got off track this past year. Uh, uh, Satan sidetracked us. I mean, man, it wasn't it something we had the. Great Greatest day of celebration in the Christian church, we call it Easter, and we didn't get to meet. Uh, I don't know of hardly any churches that had an opportunity to meet on the day that we put on our calendar as a special day to celebrate the resurrected Lord. And when it got down to Christmas and the church behind us, bless her heart, they had to close for the last four weeks and other churches in Nazarene have, have said they've got to close for three weeks and all this and I think, man, Satan's at it again. He's trying to rob us of Christmas. He's trying to rob us of our dedication to the new year. And that's what he does. The Bible tells us that his purpose is to seek, to kill, and to destroy. And it's not just to destroy everybody. It's to destroy the people of God because they stand for God. And Satan does not like God or anything or anybody that stands for God. So over the next 10, 12 weeks, we're going to emphasize on how to regain our purpose and get back on track. All right, verse number one is the introduction. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read it as I go, a little bit different today, okay? Verse number one says, Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacon. Now, he starts out, he identifies who the writers are. Paul and Timothy, they introduce themselves here in this beginning of this letter. Then he explains what they are. He said, we're the servants of Christ uh meaning bond service today we tend to forget that we're supposed to serve christ don't we we think christians a lot of christians tend to think christ's supposed to serve them when in opposite even jesus taught the fact i didn't come to to be served i come to serve and that's the reason we're here as well i mean i look back at that in a sense of of what we do and 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 i think about all the years i've been pastoring Twenty-three, twenty-two, twenty-three years, whatever it was, at White House Church, and over those twenty-three years, the church grew, and we had hundreds of people that united and joined the church. And out of those hundreds of people that joined the church, only two discussed with me the doctrine of the church. Seemed like nobody else really cared that much about what the church believed. And then only two also that I can remember came up to me on the day they got ready to join and I'm talking to them and going through a little class with them about joining and they asked me, they said, well, preacher, tell me something. I, I want to unite with the church. Tell me what I can do to serve the church. That, as a pastor, that will knock you off your feet. Uh, People don't tend to do that, but that's what we're here for, is to be a servant of Christ Jesus. Not to tell God how blessed we are that he's on his side, but to tell him how blessed we are that he's on our side and what we can do for him. So Paul, even though he's a prisoner at Rome at this time, and Timothy's being his caregiver, they're saying we're servants of Christ. We're not something special. We're servants of Christ then he tells us who he's writing it to he said to the saints now this is not a group of hierarchy that like the catholic church declares uh, not some special group that you've got to earn sainthood a saint biblically is a believing set apart child of God you might say well a saint I ain't if you're saved you're a saint or at least you're supposed to be. You have been set apart by God to serve him, to honor him, honor him, and to glorify him forever. So we're separated from the Lord. So that's saint. Then he specifically mentions the deacons and the the bishops, in the early church, there were multiple pastors or leaders of a church, so these are some of the multiple leaders of the church there at Philippi, and why does he bring them out? Can I tell you something? If God is to send a message, a special message, to Portland General Baptist Church, the buck stops here. Have you got that? I'm responsible as the under-shepherd of God. The buck stops here. I've got to be willing to take the bullet for the church. I know that it... At White House, there was a little thing come up. And I cornered the deacons of leadership. And I said, you know, uh, if I'm the center of this, if you want me to, I'll resign. I, you know, whatever you want me to do. And they said, no. I did the same thing right after I came here. In the first few months, an issue came up. I cornered the deacons. I said, if you want me to, this church has had a lot of black eyes over the years. If you want me to, I'll just resign and leave. Tell me what you want to do. Why? The buck stops here. Okay? So he's written he's written to the saints and he's written specifically to the leaders. Now he's addressed it to a church at Philippi. Philippi is in the province of Macedonia. Macedonia is in the Greek country which is under the Roman rule, but Greek People were known in Greek governments and metropolitan areas like Philippi were were not only under the control of the Roman Empire, they were heaped deeply in multiple beliefs. They had a god for almost everything, so much that uh, Paul is debating the. Basic philosophers on the hillside of Mars Hill and he's telling them you know you've done it so much or you've got an idol a statue around here for everybody every God that you serve in mythology but he said you've even got one over here don't even have a name on it he said that you've erected as the uh, the one to the unknown God he said there's somebody out there you might not even know is God so you didn't want to offend any so you put one up for them and in the church today if we were to uh, uh, maybe to put up some statues up here. Uh, we probably wouldn't put a statue up here to, for Z- Zeus and Thor and all those Greek gods and uh, Diana and all that. We'd probably and we probably wouldn't even put a, a statue up here for the unknown god. What we'd do? We'd put a statue up here for ourselves. That tends to be what we do many times, isn't it? We want to serve ourselves. But here, uh, the status here is that they, they serve a lot of different guards. But there is a community of believers here right in the middle of false belief that believes in Jesus Christ. So much so that Paul addresses them. They began on the creek side. They didn't even have a building to meet in. They, beat on a, they met on a creek side down there where a lady businesswoman named Lydia was content a Bible study down there waiting for God to send a prophet around their way to tell them about Christianity and lo and behold God sent Paul their way and right on the hillside of that group that Lydia had surrounding their study and he presented them to Christ and the New Testament church there at Philippi had begun. So right in the middle of an unbelieving, rotten, evil culture is a group of believers that Paul's addressing and it is the only letter to any church that Paul's ever written that he doesn't have anything bad to say about it. Isn't that something? Nothing bad. You don't need to correct a thing. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep going like you're going. Wouldn't it be great if God could look down right now and send us a message and say, "Ah, you don't need to correct a thing at Portland Church, man. You just keep doing what you're doing. Well, we know that'd be wrong, don't we? but for Philippi it was right so there we go then we get to the greetings here in verse number 2 where he says grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ just a normal greeting from Paul he says it a lot I just want to extend to you grace and mercy from God and grace is that undeserved favor of God we get it all the time and peace is that settled mind that settled heart that we have from God to be in perfect harmony with God and perfect perfect harmony with each other. So just a standard dies greeting. Now when we get to verse number 3, Paul begins a short prayer. Now I want you to pay very close attention to the way he breaks this prayer down because this ought to speak to us today, okay? Beginning in verse number 3, and I want to start by asking you a few true false statements that you need to decide if it's true or false. Number 1 is this. Prayer is one of the hardest things we believers do. For me, it's true. Man, I, I start praying and the devil throws this thought in my mind, he throws that thought in my mind, and I start praying for Roy over here, and God, uh, you know, devil throws up how he's offended me last week. Uh, you know, that's what he does, doesn't it? He just throws those salt, those things in there that will hinder you from prayer. You'll find something else to do besides pray. And number two is we casually tell people at church that we'll be praying for them and then forget it before we get home. I mean, it becomes a habit, I'll pray for you, brother, or it becomes I've got good intentions, but I just don't seem to follow it through. And then number three is Jesus is praying for you at this very moment. Hey man! that's glorious, man. That's a blessing It's referred to that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making listen to this intercession for you. He's praying for you, He's praying for me. hallelujah for Jesus. I mean, boy, if anybody would know how to pray, it'll be the Son of God, shouldn't it? Yeah, and then number four, we find very little prayer in our churches today, true or false. I think that's true. I mean. I can't get anybody to come to the altar and pray. You don't have to. Of course, you can pray where you are. But I'll tell you one thing that's very sure. If I was to announce that we're going to take our Sunday nights and we're going to take our Wednesday nights and we're going to do nothing but prayer meeting, we'd have the doors closed. People don't tend to want to just gather for prayer. And we need to be praying. Now, here's a thought statement, okay? If you were in serious trouble and you couldn't ask it but one person to pray for you who would that person be now don't answer that just think about it. who would that one person be that you'd pick out among everybody else to pray for you why would you pick them out hopefully you'd pick them out because they're you can trust them and because you can see god lived out in their life okay now first thing i want to see in verse number three is that paul begins this short prayer with giving thanks for these saints i thank god upon every remembrance of you now how would you feel if you had the apostle paul praying specifically for you he says, I'm praying for every one of you on re- at remembrance of you. How often do we sit down in our prayer and thank God specifically for the people that he's brought in our life? What we ought to do, you know, that when you got your new listing of church members, uh, uh, the, the roster, the membership role, whatever you want to call it here a few weeks ago, it, it would be very interesting if you would take time to sit down and go one by one through each family member in, that, in this church and begin to thank God specifically for each person in there. I mean, we can see there that there are a blessing to serve and, and to stand for them. And to, to also, uh, you know, as we see this, you might say, well, I look down through that. Some people I, I don't want to thank God for. They get under my skin. Did you know I'm married? Uh, You do, don't you? Okay, good. You know I'm married and my wife gets under my skin a lot. Wouldn't it be something if I don't pray for her? Wouldn't it be something if I say I don't love her anymore? No. She gets under my skin, but guess what? That's her job. It really is. And I thank God for that. If she didn't get under my skin, I'd be a mess. If she didn't tell me where I messed up, I'd never know where I'm a mess at. So, I mean, I thank God for her. And, and and that's the same way with all the members. One by one, we'll thank God for each person God brings in our life because every one of them serves a unique feature in our life. Then we get to verse 4, and not only does Paul give thanks for every one of them, he makes prayer requests for them. Uh, he said, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy even though Paul's in prison he didn't say hey y'all remember poor old me down here man it's cold it's damp I don't have a lot to eat I could use a new coat I could use being a release from this prison uh, you know this isn't fair you need to pray for me that God will get me released he didn't go about himself he said I'm making a request for each of you again maybe you'll take the list of the church and go one by one through there and begin to remember what each one of them's needs are and make a request before God for each member of the church. Intercessory prayer. Slowing down enough to focus on somebody else's need besides yours. So he's thanking God for uh, the fact that he can remember them. They're part of their life, and he's praying for each one of them. And then in the next verse, verse number 5, he is acknowledging something we don't acknowledge a lot. He is acknowledging fellowship connection uh, which is another word for partnership he said for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day into now the Greek word there is koinia what that means is a common sharing a common connection Um, you, you know we look in the book of Corinthians a letter to the Corinthian church and we see that the body of Christ is so varying uh, he 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 kind of describes us like the, a body. He said, "Some of you can be the hands, some of you the feet, some of you the eyes, but each one of you are essential." to the body same way here we're in fellowship and each and every person here from the youngest to the oldest is essential to the body of Christ at Portland Church years ago when I was a deacon at a little small church we had started down in Gallatin uh, we uh, there, the pastor came up with this brainstorm that we need to go door to door through a trailer park that was having shootings and stabbings and drug dealings and all and I said are you sure God told you that preacher and he said yeah and that's what we're going to do we're going to offer volunteers I said you think we're going to get many volunteers well we got a few volunteers and the elder ladies in church this is what is unique that shows fellowship the elder ladies in the church got together that Sunday before we announced that we were going to go and they said preacher we can't go But can we all gather here at church at the time y'all go and pray for you? That's the body of Christ coming together in fellowship. That's what we do, partner, sharing in the gospel connection that comes through fellowship. We can't all do the same, but we can all do something in the fellowship of God. And this fellowship should not be short-lived. You know, he says, I thank God for your fellowship that you've had from the very beginning. Well, I don't have fellowship with Gerald anymore because he spoke bad of me last week. You see, fellowship doesn't break that way. Fellowship, the connection needs to stay together, okay? So he thanks God for the fellowship. He he thanks God for their remembrance of them. He thanks God and begins to pray for their request. And then he thanks God for their fellowship, their connection together. Then in verse number 6, he prays for continuance. Being confident of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He said, being confident. Do you need confidence today? I do. Every once in a while, I need my wife tell me I do a good job. Every once in a while, you need somebody in your life to come along beside you and say, you're doing a good job. You need somebody to give you confidence. Well, that's what Paul doing to this church. He's trying to give them some confidence. He said, "Being confident of this very thing." Now, what is this very thing? You know, it's the very thing is the fact that there's a work going on in this church, and he's confident, not that they by their own efforts will work it out but by the efforts of God in them will perform it until the day of the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, you may think, man, you know, will Jesus find any faith on the earth when he comes? I mean, look around, man, church is in bad shape. People don't believe like they used to. People don't worship like they used to. Will the Lord really find faith when he comes? He will because he's going to perform this work to the very end. And that's good, that's good news right there. So he prays for their continuation. <clears throat> then he prays for the abounding love and knowledge. Verse number 9. This I pray, that your love may abound, yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. He begins by saying, Thank God for your abounding love. Love is the greatest of all Christian virtues. You remember what the Word said? They abide faith, hope, and charity, which is love, and the greatest of these is what? Love. You remember when they walked up to Jesus, the disciples said, Now, Jesus, out of all these hundreds of commandments out there, which commandment is the greatest? And he said, Well, it's like this. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Enough said? No, he had to add more. He said, Love your neighbor like yourself. It's all about love. You can serve God out of obligation. You can serve God out of guilt, but you'll never accomplish the true meaning of serving God till you serve out of love. You can serve your fellow brothers or sisters out of obligation or out of guilt, but it will never serve. It will never really affect you like serving your fellow brother and sister out of love. Love makes it all possible to carry out our purpose. Then he says, Not only do I ask for abounding love, I'm asking for abounding knowledge. Believe me, in a pagan land, this church needed some abounding knowledge. In the day that we live in right now with the attacks against Christianity, By other faith and non believers, there's a day that we need abounding knowledge. We need to know what we believe, why we believe it, and why we stand for what we believe. We need to know that in a pagan land because there's voices all around us, and they're ringing out all around us. Doesn't matter what you believe, just as long as you're sincere we're all striving for the same place it doesn't matter if you're Muslim it doesn't matter if you're Buddhist it doesn't matter if you're nothing at all which makes up the majority of our society it doesn't matter we're all striving for the same place let's just get together on the same page and let's get along can I tell you that an Islamic cannot be on the same page with a Christian can I tell you that a Muslim cannot be on the same page with a Christian? Can I tell you that a non-believer cannot be on, a, on the same page with a believer? It just doesn't work out. So he's praying for that abounding love and that abounding knowledge so that you can live producing, as it says in verse number 11, the fruits of righteousness it's at discerning love to make the right choices that helps us to produce through our life the fruits of righteous living the fruits of godly character that we need in a garden land we need to be different from the world we need to show through our love and our knowledge the discernment of why we live righteous before God now let me do a summary of this prayer purpose here number one look at the joy of recollection that's where uh, he's, he's thanking God for the faithfulness of other believers and he's giving thanks for those that came into his life what we need to do secondly we see the joy of intercession how that it is a joy for paul to pray specifically for the needs of others and how that we ought to take that to our heart as well and consider it a blessing that god allows us the opportunity to pray for other believers that we love then thirdly we see the joy of participation in that we see how that accomplishing the task of God the purpose we come together as a partnership Paul didn't take all the credit he could have said man y'all was a mess before I met you down on the creek bank and led y'all to the Lord and established that church you need to thank God for me I did it all no he thanked God for the partnership for the fellowship that was working in them together Then we see the joy of anticipation where he tells them about the confidence in God's power to complete the purpose in their life. We need God's power to complete the purpose in our life. We need confidence that the Holy Spirit power is in us and upon us and leading us. And he will not lead us unless we're listening to him. He must guide us only if we allow him to be our guide. And then lastly, we saw the joy of love and knowledge allowing us to live righteously in a sinful world. And he said this at the ending of that, without offense. I know of a guy who they said went door to door witnessing. And he was sharing the good news of Christ and trying to witness him to salvation. He got back to the church. They said, well... Did you witness to so-and-so? Yes, I did. Well, did he get saved? He will no, but he knows he's been witnessed to. Well, what he means is he knows he's been offended. You know, it's a shame. I know another guy I said, I knocked on the door, and somebody said, I'm here to talk to you about Jesus, he won't shut the door in his face. Wait, 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 wait. Don't shut that door yet. I, let me tell you something. Let me apologize to you. The guy opened the door back up and said, apologize for what? He said, I want to apologize to you for whichever person bearing the name of Christ came in here and offended you that you wanted to shut this door. And so the guy opened the door and invited him in because he had been apologized for the offense that was made. We're not here to offend people. You can march if you want to march down the city of, uh, in the city of Nashville. If that's what you feel like you need to do, you do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not here to offend. I'll tell you what I stand for. I'll tell the world what I stand for. But I'm not going to march against the world. You know, you can go out and you can criticize and you can write letters and you can tweet and twitch and thumb and whatever you want to do about everything that's wrong and offend everybody around you when you're supposed to be a light into the world. You do that if you want to do. But remember this, we're supposed to do it without offense. How can you win them if you don't show them you love them? Because love covers a multitude of of sin, now let me let me let me carry it again this verse six. Go back and look at it again as we end. I want to refer back to this verse. Being confident of this very thing, that he which begin a good work will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus empowers the saints for ministry. We've got to have that Holy Spirit power in our life to be equipped to cover his purpose if we're going to regain his purpose in our church and in our life we need the Holy Spirit power to lead us in the right direction now the the letter to the the church here at Philippi the Philippians at one time I preached through Philippians years ago but I did it differently I took all those positive statements. Man, it is loaded with positive statements throughout Philippians that just lifts your spirits and encourage you. I call them coffee mug verses. Verses you put on your t-shirt and wear around, you know. Those kind of verses. It was loaded on. I think I spent about 10 weeks just doing nothing but working my way through those positive verses that were given to us in Philippians. Philippians as a whole is positive because it's teaching us about the purpose of God in our life and how to fulfill that purpose. Now, we can be confident of this very thing, that that God is going to do that work in us to the very end. There's no way as, you know, I have people tell me all the time, well, preacher, I'm not going to pray for God to save me because I can't live the Christian life. Amen. You will never be able to live the Christian life on your own. It's got to be the power of God in you that that allows you to live that life. I've had other people say, no way can I hold out myself. (laughs) No way can I hold on myself. It's not about you holding on. And it's not about you holding out. It's about the greater power that is in you. Okay? So with that in mind, understand this. We're confident that God will do the work, but we also need to be confident that we can't do it alone we cannot do it I have got a six year old granddaughter and she spent a couple of days with us here you know and, and broke my heart when she left and told me how much she loved me and how she was going to miss me but one thing that taught me this is a lesson my granddaughter taught me you give her something that's got to be put together and she says I don't need you I'll do it myself and she'll sit down in the floor and she'll work on it for about five or ten minutes and then she'll look up and say "Pop." I need you. That's what we do with God. We sit down and say, God, I'll figure this thing out all by myself. God, I'll do this ministry all by myself. And when we find out it won't go together, when we find out it won't succeed, we'll finally somewhere along the line say, God, I need you. And we do need him. This is a prayer purpose to begin our series on regaining our purpose. Why don't you spend a little time this week praying for yourself, giving thanks to others, for others, uh, praying specifically for others, thanking God for the fellowship, thanking God for the continuation and the confidence you have, thanking God for His abounding love and knowledge that it might grow and allow you to fulfill the fruits of Christ. Just spend a little time praying through the efforts and the steps of this prayer. It'll be good for you. Now, as we stand, let's have a song as we begin our ending time in worship today. If you need prayer, the altar is always open. A lot of people don't want to come and use the altar during a pandemic, and I understand, but I'll put my mask on, I'll go down there and pray with you, and I'll even stay six feet apart if you want me to, but we'll pray together if that's what you need. Otherwise, if you call me this week, I'll pray with you on the phone or whatever it needs to be. Those that's listening online, same way, uh, you see on the website what our phone number is and we're there eventually you can call us and we'll be right there for you praying for you that's what we do as God's people let's
1: sing we trust that God has blessed you with this message from his word each week these sermons are made available in video and audio formats if you want to watch our weekly sermon and Sunday school videos you can find them on our YouTube channel just search in the search engine for Portland General Baptist Church Subscribe to the channel and be sure to hit the notification bell so that you're notified when a new video is posted. For audio, you can subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast platforms including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. You can also find these audio recordings on our website, free to download. Just visit www.portlandgbc.org. That's www p-o-r-t-l-a-n-d-g-b-c-dot-o-r-g Until next time, stay safe, and may God bless you.